doing what we're calling Five on Five. If you haven't been at the well, we've done this before. Um, it's just an opportunity just to hear from different people and, and hear their perspective on a, uh, on a topic. And so we're doing Five on Five. So they have basically five, we're spe five speakers, and they have five minutes to speak. Okay? So we're, we're going, and the, 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 the topic for today is we are better together, and then they fill in the blank when dot, 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 dot. And so this is what I'm asking you to do. This is not a normal um, service that we have, but I'm asking you to engage, okay? Um, and, and just be, hey, like if you hear something, say amen. Holla at a brother. You know, holla at a sister. Whatever you want to do. Um, just make sure that we engage and we stay um, kind of just focus in and, and just lean in, all right? This is going to be an awesome time. So we're doing five on five, and they have basically, we have a timer. So if they go over, you can go boo. No, I'm just kidding. Don't say boo. <laughs> Don't say boo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they're going to be, they're going to have a timer. So it'll be on the screen. So you guys will be watching and listening and paying attention. But it's an awesome time. But our first communicator for the day is Pastor Seth. Everybody give it up for Pastor Seth. Come on. Kill it, man. He's going to do good. It's awesome. Let's, let's give the guy that just got through playing drums for 30 minutes go first. I'm like, got to like catch my breath. And, and, and I sing while I play because I worship while I play, and now I don't have a voice. i got to sing, but it's all going to be good. So basically, uh, this morning, and I'm 10 seconds in already, we were talking about the idea of better together, right? And so we're all going to be talking about we are better together, dot, 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 okay? And so what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is we are better together when we embrace our differences and reject normal, okay? Reject normal. I'm going to put this down. I don't think I even need it. Um, so, so growing up, I, who else is like kind of the child of the 80s, 90s, you know, kind of that slash era, you know, that kind of molds over, they, a lot of people say they're a ch child in the 80s, and that means they graduated high school in the 80s, and they had huge bangs, you know, and they had acid wash jeans, and, and all those, all those things that brought the 80s, I was kind of like in that transformed time period of, you know, I was more of like the 90s grunge rocker, that's how I played drums, you know, but, but, you know, still in the 80s, the time's flying. So what I do is, uh, um, growing up, it was really difficult for me um, because I, early on through school, I was uh, diagnosed with a learning disability. And so basically what would happen with me is I would read, and, and I, I couldn't read very well, I couldn't spell very well, and most, mostly when I would read, it wouldn't stick. So, like, that's what there is, the retention aspect of it. If I heard something and acted it out, then I got it. So I, I, that new song we just played, I listened to it twice. I've got it. Okay, that's just, I'm not bragging. That's just how my brain works. So we do that. He is bragging. But there was, there was this, yeah. <laughs> there, there's this kind of like, kind of persona, cultural persona that came along with people with learning disabilities and you weren't seen as normal. Right? And you were made aware of this. You were made, that, made aware that you were not normal. And, and what I want to tell you today, and I have one point. And my one point is, God does not do normal. God does not do normal. God is um, not a God of the world, a God of what the world says, what cultural, culture tells us. He, he's not, he doesn't operate that way. There's many instances in the Bible, actually all the instances in the Bible, you would not say are normal, right? He didn't use any normal people, no normal actions, um, for, for, an, for an abnormal cause, right? So he doesn't operate that. Um, I want one scripture verse for you, uh, and it's Psalms 19, 13, 14. 
for you formed me, so you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. We are better together when we embrace our differences and we kick normal to the curb, right? I moved here about eight years ago with a team to help plant the well. We moved here with Pastor Jason Erica's, Jason Erica and about 15 others. That wasn't normal. Um, Tyson and I lived a very normal life. Um, we had a very comfortable life. We both had very good jobs. We did not have Hannah at the time, so every bit of our money went to whatever we wanted to do, right? Um, you could say we were building our own kingdom. Uh, and in fact, that's the reason we moved up here is because God convicted us of building our own kingdom. If you want to live a normal life, live in this world. You will live a normal life. And what I mean by normal, I don't mean it's not like it's not adventurous. It doesn't mean that it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be fun, there wouldn't be excitement in it. But it means it would be what the world dictates to you as normal. If God call, if you think God is calling you to something that the world culturally accepts, think again. Because he's not. He does not fall to the standards of this world. He falls to his own standards. So let me encourage you in this. Since I have 45 seconds. Five minutes is so short, guys. <coughs> when Kaisa and I and that whole team stepped out in faith, we sold possessions. Our anniversary is coming up next weekend, right? So exciting. The seven-year anniversary of this church. And I think of um, stepping out in faith, stepping out and looking at what God had called all these people to do in history and in the Bible and saying, hey, this is pretty abnormal. So I think this might be what God is calling me to and stepping out that. So what I want to encourage you with, don't live a normal life. Branch out. God will not call you to normal. He will call you to something that is extraordinary, amazing, abnormal. God does not do normal. Come on. Let's give it up for Pastor Seth. Yeah. Man, I, as he was just, um, just talking about God does not do normal, I just immediately thought about the 12 disciples and how Jesus literally called them out from the normal life, the normal day of living, and he called them to follow him. So I think any time that God calls us to follow him, and that's, you may be thinking, like, God hasn't called me. Like, if you, if you are a child of God, he has called you to not live a normal life. And so God does not do normal. So that's amazing, Pastor Seth. Thank you so much for that. Up next is my beautiful wife, <laughs> Pastor Katalyn, and she likes to preach from the chair, so um, she's going to sit here. <laughs> Go ahead. Take it away, babes. Um, this is exactly what Colossians 3, 12 through 14 talks about. It's literally labeled the Christian life, and it says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord forgave you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That sounds like believing the best to me. So what happens when we don't believe the best in each other? There's a lack of trust. We easily take offense. We tend to start doing things on our own. We become isolated. We forget that we're on the same team with the same mission. So if we flip that, 
What if we live this life of assumption that people are doing the best and we believe that in each other? All of a sudden, we see and we start to treat others as chosen children of God. That's what we are. We make the best of difficult situations. We work together to accomplish the goal more quickly. And we trust our climbing group. That's these people right here. And have our, that they have our back instead of climbing in isolation. So how do we do this practically? We need to intentionally call out and encourage the very best in each other. Even if it's just the tiniest little glimmer. Because when we encourage something and acknowledge it, it grows. So even if you're just like, babe, thank you for making the bed this morning. Like, that's going to grow. That's going to cause me to want to make the bed more. <laughs> just hint. Hint. Just kidding. <laughs> babe, thanks for making the bed this morning. <laughs> so we need to, uh, we need to um, clarify and communicate. Instead of just automatically taking a, offense and assuming the worst, Ask those clarifying questions. What did you mean by that? Are you okay? Offer grace and view things through their perspective. Start to think about what is going on in their life right now. And remember that we are talking to God's children. So ask him to show you how he views them and treat them as that person. Even if they're not acting that way in the moment, treat them as that person. Forgive others every day and don't hold the past against them. That's the biggest way of operating in this generous assumption. It means that we go from holding our fists tight like this until having to having open healing hands. And when we assume and believe the best about others, it requires us to believe the best about ourselves and who God says that we are. So ask yourself right now, am I doing the best that I can with what God has given me? Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not as human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when we assume and encourage, I'm out of time, it's so, it's all right, um, the best in each other, we empower each other to, do, to be who God has called us to be. So just to wrap it up, Jesus sees the best in you and see the best in each other. The end. Come on. Let's give it for Pastor Kaylin. <laughs> oh man um, one thing that really stuck out to me is just what you just barely said clarify and communicate I think a lot of times um, especially in the church world um, offense happens all the time because we're not believing the best and I think as we clarify and communicate with each other I mean I, I feel like love will grow and that we will like genuinely be better together as we choose to clarify and communicate so that really stuck out to me um, good job babe good job good job Pastor Caitlin up next, we have my boy Evan. Take it away, man. Super excited. Let's go. Cool. Uh, so my title of my message is We Are Better Together When We Remember the Gospel. So I'm just going to dive straight into it. Philippians 2, 1 through 8. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way. So Paul, right away, he's overemphasizing the point. He's like, if you have anything at all, if you are a Christian at all, like have this in you. And he goes on and he says, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. So he's like, if you have anything, have this point, 
like dive in, like have the same mind, the same love and humility towards others. Why? Because we have this through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and gives an example of how Christ fulfilled this in the next five verses. So verse five, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is my favorite verse in the Bible because it's like it's so crazy when you think about it. And for me, it's like I was just thinking about like how big God is. And I was just thinking about space and the stars. And it's like the sun is so large that you can take a million earths and you can fit it in the center of it and they will fit no problem. They give off the same energy as 1.8 billion thermonuclear bombs a second and that there's millions and billions of these stars in the galaxy and the universe and that God just spoke and it existed. Right? It spoke and it came into being. Like the Bible says, it was the work of his fingers. It required no effort. And it's so crazy to me, like God, like Jesus, did not count equality with that a thing to be held onto, but he emptied himself and became nothing for us. Right? He humbled himself down to a man, and not just a man, a servant, and not just a servant. He humbled himself down to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it's so crazy that he didn't just come to die like he took on our own sin, and like the very people he came to save are the very people that put him up on that cross in the first place. Right? Isaiah 53, it goes on and says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. And it's so crazy. It's like he didn't just come to die. Like he came to take on our sin that we brought on ourselves and he rose again on the third day he conquered sin he conquered death and if you are a christian like he sees you as this you've never sinned in your life it's crazy so that's why paul like in this letter to the church of philippi he's like if you have anything well, he's standing up like, he's standing up if you have anything at all like remember this message like have this mind among yourselves because like if you believe this if you know this like it changes you like, you will not be the same. And it's like, why do we come to this church? Like, why do we feel so welcome when we come to the well? Like, why do they sing so loud? Like, why do we talk so much about Jesus? Like, why do we care so much of people outside the church? Why do we give so much money to Redemption House to help these people out of, like, human trafficking? It's because we can't help it. Right? We've been changed. So it's like we are better together when we remember the gospel because it changes lives and it changes us. So we cannot help but change people and this world because we remember Jesus. Right? So I'll end with this. Like, remember, remember. Like, think about these things. And don't just come here to church, like, as a movie theater and then leave and just go live your lives. Like, if you live, like, Christ changes your whole life. This is not just something you do once a day. This is your life, and that's how we change the world, and that's how we bring his kingdom to the entire planet in Salt Lake City, and we turn things upside down. Yeah. All right? So we are better together when we remember the gospel. 
So let's do it. Amen. Amen. Mic drop. What is happening? Come on, let's give it up for Evan. Come on. I don't even have anything to say. I think that was great. We're better together. Remember the gospel. Listen, I don't even need to preach up here. You just remember the gospel. Take it home with you every single day. Remember the gospel. It's amazing. Good job, man. Uh, so good. So good. Ne up next, we have Lauren. Come on. She's standing up. <laughs> I can't All right, and let's talk. Go. I tried it and it doesn't work. So today, mine is, we're going to be better when we choose vulnerability. So vulnerability, what does it really mean? Vulnerability is defined as the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. That sounds terrible, right? <laughs> Willingly opening up yourself for emotional or physical harm. Yet everything I've studied about vulnerability over the last year suggests that this is a critical step in having the deep and meaningful relationship that God wants for us and with him. This state of vulnerability must be exercised wisely. As Pastor Jason said two weekends ago, who is on your road? Authenticity is for everyone, while vulnerability should be reserved for those who are going to speak truth into your life and pull you up when you need it most. It is for those who are going to give you a shoulder when things aren't going well, celebrate when you have a win, and call you out when you're not being your best. It is for those who are going to propel you forward in your walk with God. As an Enneagram 8, this idea of vulnerability is something that I have to actively work at daily. It is something that does not come naturally to me at all. It is in my nature to resist being vulnerable, yet I know it is absolutely necessary for me to choose vulnerability in order to have the type of relationships that are going to sharpen me, that are going to keep me accountable, and that are going to ultimately protect me. By choosing to be first vulnerable with God, I have been able to learn who is on my rope and have chosen vulnerability in those relationships. So if there's so much good that can come from choosing vulnerability, why is it that we cringe at the mention of the word? I believe that the enemy wants us to be vulnerable, vulnerable averse because without vulnerability, we miss out on what God and others can do in our lives. We become isolated and alone, both of which are not from God. In order to engage in vulnerability, we have to change our perspective. Paul modeled vulnerability and was unafraid to let his walls down so that he could bring others to Christ. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, he wrote, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So God wants us to drop the walls we have built to show him who we really are so that he can be glorified in all that we do. God will never ask us to do something that we can do on our own. This place of vulnerability is where he can really start to work in our lives and in our relationships. So why should we choose vulnerability? First, vulnerability makes margin for sharpening. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We need to be surrounded by people who we have chosen to be vulnerable with so that they know when, how, and what to sharpen us with. 
You can sharpen your heart by practicing vulnerability with God, but your edges need to be sharpened by those around you. Second, vulnerability invites accountability. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Accountability starts with giving someone the permission to do so. The things we need accountability for in our lives could be simple, like drinking more water, or difficult, like resisting a temptation. Simple or hard, accountability isn't possible without choosing to be vulnerable and letting someone else in on our weaknesses. If we don't share what we need to be accountable for, then we can't be, expect to be held accountable for those things. And lastly, vulnerability protects us. James 5, 19 through 20 says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Having relationships where you can be vulnerable allows for another person to see your blind spots, to protect you from the things that you cannot see coming. These people in your life can bring perspective that can alter your steps and bring you back into the protective fold of a life with God. So I'll leave you with one simple question. Are you choosing vulnerability? Yeah, let's give it up for Lauren. Yes. I love how um, she said uh, it leaves a margin for sharpening. And I think a lot of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't, we want to be sharpened without the work to be sharpened. It's like this idea of like, I want to be better, but I don't want to be better. I don't want you to speak into my life. I don't want you, I want to be vulnerable. How many of you guys in this room would say, man, I have a hard time being vulnerable? Yeah. I think almost every single one of us. And I think that if we're going to move into everything that God has for us, I think this is something that we have to get, like, right within the church. Because oftentimes we come to church, we put on a plastic smile, and we want everything just to be good. We come in church, give you a hug. It's kind of fake and phony. And then you leave, and then there's so much life that's happening. And then you wish that someone was there in that life. But can I propose to you that maybe you're not vulnerable? And maybe that you need to leave a margin for sharpening. And I think that's something that, that it really just speaks to me, even in my life. I have people that are sharpening me every single week, every single day that I can go to and be vulnerable. Hey, man, I'm struggling with this. Hey, man, I'm dealing with this. Or even when I'm, um, when I'm speaking, Pastor Jason is speaking into my life. He's sharpening me every single week, listening to my messages. And so I think that it's, uh, like, really important that we as a body get this. Because I think if we're going to move forward and we're going to really reach people and touch people, we have to be vulnerable. We can't hide things. We can't be secretive. We need to be vulnerable. So I love that. Good job. Um, give it up one more time for Lauren. Come on. <laughs> Last but not least, my man Brandon. Come on. Yeah, let's go. All right. I'm a leaner. Oh, he's leaning. I'm a leaner. So you can't put me into negative time. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to delete all of our notes. Yeah, just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about being interruptible. And <coughs> this is a tough one for me because I find myself struggling with interruption. In fact, if I'm being vulnerable, I hate being interrupted. Uh, I, I'm not going to be interrupted by this timer when it goes off in five minutes. <laughs> um, and, uh, 
I just, I don't like to be interrupted. But I'm not talking about interruption in the sense of, uh, like, Lauren loves to interrupt my stories because hers are usually better than mine. Uh, I'm talking about interruption like in Mark 5 when uh, this dad's baby girl is, is dying on her deathbed, right? And he meets Jesus on the shores. Let, let me paint this picture for you, put it into, into real time. I'm a, a new dad, and I can imagine Jesus rowing across the shores of the Great Salt Lake. He's just been out brine shrimp fishing, and he comes up, and, um, and I kneel at his feet. Jesus, my girl is dying, and the only hope is for you to come heal her. Right? That's his story. Jesus says, you bet. Well, the first thing I'm not going to do is drive down State Street from the Great Salt Lake to Holiday. I'm, I am renting police escorts and helicopters and right, point A to point B. No opportunity for interruption because this is my opportunity for healing to save my girl. Yeah, but that's not what happens. They didn't have helicopters in the Bible, or at least not in that time that we know of. So <laughs> Jesus is walking to save this, this man's daughter, and he's interrupted. This, this lady who's been bleeding for 12 years touches his robe, and he feels that. The power leads out, and it heals this woman. And Jesus makes a choice in that moment. And I think we can read between some lines here. He makes the choice to be interrupted, and he stops. And he says, who touched me? And this woman, of course, says, I did, and, and you healed me. So he said, no, 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 your faith healed you. And in the midst of that interruption, there's a second interruption. Someone comes up and says, hey, man, your girl's dead. No need to keep going. And again, I'm putting myself in this situation. I'm devastated. Right? As a dad, dang it, this interruption cost me my daughter's life. Hey, so not to ruin, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't read the book or you haven't read or watched the movie, uh, the girl lives. <laughs> Jesus still heals that baby girl. An interruption happened in this moment that likely changed not just this baby girl's life, but also this woman's life. And what we don't know is the lives that were changed in that moment in that crowd from folks who watched what just happened, who allowed that interruption to happen. And so, oh, that's a heavy interruption. Sorry to be the Debbie Downer uh, on a Sunday morning. But maybe that interruption for you isn't quite so deep. Maybe it's, maybe it's that phone call at midnight from a friend who you haven't heard from in, in three years. And instead of taking that moment to say, ah, I'll call him back in the morning, you answer that phone. Perhaps a it's a little bit different. Maybe it's a career that you thought was your dream career, and it's not. And now you're stuck in this moment. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you were in your dream career, and it just ended. And that interruption stopped where you were. For me, if I'm being vulnerable here in this moment, I had that, what I thought was my dream career. In fact, in the moment of a job offer, felt the interruption from God saying, hmm, I'm going to make you go this way. That's not, that's not your path. I can only imagine being Jonah in that moment of, no, 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 I'm going to go this way. Forget that. And if you've ever been in the belly of that whale, it stinks. Literally like dead fish. 
So I would encourage you, be interruptible. Have a moment where you can sit back and be okay in the interruption. Because when we don't, we're not vulnerable. We're not engaging in the not normal. God wants you to have that moment of, trust me, I know where we're going. Be interruptible. Come on. So good. Man. Um, and on, on that note, I just was thinking about just the moment. I, think, I feel like a lot of times we are just so busy. And I think if we're being honest, we miss opportunities throughout our day. And I think sometimes, even for me, I feel like I have to have somebody come into this church to get an opportunity. Because I'm so busy, we have schedules, we have busy lives, things are happening, kids, family, spouse, friends, work, so many different things. And I, I, I think that Brandon just painted a beautiful picture of what it means to be just interrupted. Because the reality is that there are people that are walking by you every single day that need a touch from heaven. They need a touch from Jesus. They need a moment where you can just sit back and say, man, like even though you're so busy with work, you might be on a phone call or are doing something like that, but you see somebody in the corner and you just, man, and we know if we're being honest, we feel a tug in our heart to go to them, but we don't want to be interrupted. We have this moment of like, man, I should go to them, but I'm so busy. But I think the reality is that each and every one of us have the life-giving power of Jesus living on the inside of us. And that we should take moments to love on people. Because the reality is you might be the only Jesus that they get. And we don't want to say, like, we don't want to say that. We don't want to believe that. But you literally might be the only Jesus that they receive, that they get. And so I think that it's very important that, that we choose moments like this, just like Jesus did with the woman with the issue of blood. And I started thinking, too, even in that moment, that while Jesus stopped to heal that woman with the issue of blood, it paved the way for somebody else's miracle. And a lot of times we don't see it like that because we're like, man, Jesus, you got to get to my miracle. It's about me in this moment. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. I need you. I need you. But we forget, man, Jesus is healing so many different people. And we forget, man, that moment that Jesus stopped and the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. When he felt virtue go out of him, he was interrupted. But he still took a moment to talk to her. He still took a moment to love on her. So I don't want you guys to miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Some people might not even walk into these church doors. That's the reality. They might not ever get a chance to sit in these chairs like you are sitting right now. But you have the power of Almighty God living on the inside of you that you can love on them and say, man, I'm choosing to be interrupted in this moment. Why? Because Jesus is living on the inside of me, and I might be the only Jesus that they see. It's not about these four walls. It's not about these chairs that you're sitting in. You have the life-giving power of Jesus. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a message. You don't need music. You can go to your workplace and say, man, I'm going to take an opportunity this week to be interrupted. 
and I'm going to see what God can do. Amen.